This morning, we are starting a new series, and it is called Taste and See. We're going to be looking um, in this uh, summer months. Did you see the advertisement on social media uh, this, this past week right there? Don't those look good? Look at that. Uh, absolutely. Um, and so it was, it was very good eating those after the video was over. Uh, and so that was taken at a, place, at a coffee shop called Summer Moon. It's across the street from Travis High School. Uh, it's a pretty good place. Let me ask you, how many of you, or who in here, has a birthday in the month of June? You have a birthday? I saw a hand right there first. All right? I'm going to give you a gift card so that you can literally taste and see that it's pretty good. There you go. <laughs> see, it pays to be the first one to lift your hand, okay? It, <laughs> it's good. Um, so... We're going to talk about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good here today. We're going to be looking in the Bible at one chapter over the next several weeks. Psalm chapter 34. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can go ahead and do that. Psalm chapter 34 is where we're going to be looking at. Um, We're going to be looking at one chapter for several weeks. So this is going to be exciting. We're going to get to take a deep dive into this. No surface level, okay? We're going to... uh, uh, Take a deep dive into this chapter. Uh, I love this chapter written by David. It was a, it was a psalm of David. We're going to read, um, you know, we're just going to read all of the uh, verses here just to, just to start off with. We're going to read the, the, the whole chapter is going to be our foundation for the next several weeks uh, with the cornerstone verse being verse 8. And so we're definitely going to be looking at that one as well. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 34. It's going to be on the screen for you as well. But let's read this whole chapter so that we can get a sense of what David is singing about and what he's talking about, and we will look into this, all right? So Psalm chapter 34, and this way you'll be be able to look and see what I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks as well. So as you read through here, you're going to be like, oh, I bet he's going to talk about that a little bit, isn't he? So, all right, so here we go. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will praise the Lord At all times, I will constantly speak his praises. Some of your translations uh, may say, his praise is always on my lips. Maybe that's what yours says here. I'm reading from the NLT. But I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord. And he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people, for those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. That's a good amen spot. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? 
Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked. And those who hate righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a great, great chapter. A great song to the Lord that David sings. And our cornerstone this morning and for the next several weeks is taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. But we're going to taste and see. Do you have a favorite restaurant? Like if you got to pick where you got to eat today, which never happens, right? If you got to pick where you got to eat, where would you go? I mean, there's many places you can choose from, okay? If money was no option, if time was no option, you said all the time in the world, you got a $1,000 gift card, okay? You're going to go wherever you want to, like, where would you go? There's, you know, wow, I didn't know you were going to yell them out at me, but okay. There's a lot of places that you can go. Texas Roadhouse is up there, okay? Uh, who, where? I'm, I'm, hearing, I'm, I'm hearing several different, I'm hearing mumbles over here, so I'm hearing a lot of different things. Some of McDonald's, did anybody say that? No? <laughs> a lot of different places that you can go to. Now, if I had my option, many of you know where that would be, probably, because I've, I've preached on it before. I'm going to Papacitos. That's my, that's my thing. I love going to Papacitos. And I get the simple, I just get chicken fajitas. It's not like I get something crazy either. Uh, it's, it's something about the chicken and the homemade tortillas and the butter sauce that they pour all over it. It's just, yep, yep. Y'all ready to go right now? We can just, let me just, I'm done. No. Um, ready to go, okay? Uh, and, and, and why do we like, why do we like our favorite restaurant? Whatever our favorite restaurant, whatever it is. Why do we like it? Well, obviously because we think it tastes good, okay? We think that it tastes good. And it's not that that's the only, for instance, Tex-Mex place that I go to. Hey, if you want to go to Gringo's, let's go, okay? Uh, we, went, we tried a place over here near Fulcher, Molina's. Have you been there? It's pretty good, actually. I don't know. Maybe give it, give it a try. But, uh, you know, sometimes I stray from Papacitos, okay? But I come back home, okay? I'll, I'll come back home. Um, but, but, yeah, but we go because, first of all, it, we think it tastes good. But also... Because they haven't let us down in the past, have they? <laughs> we can think back to the good times. Oh, remember when I ate that one time? Boy, it was really good that time, you know? It's like we think back. Rarely do we go back to a restaurant that constantly messes up our order, that con- you know, that, all this kind of stuff. But we go to that place that tastes good, that tastes the same all the time, and it's good, and we like it. They're faithful to us, okay? And so we go to those places. Similarly, similarly, okay, 
One of the reasons why we serve the Lord, I think, we have tasted and seen that He is good. We can also look in the past and, so that, and say that He has never failed us. Can you confidently say that the Lord has never failed us in the past? And so we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Here we have David and he writes this chapter. And how can he write such a chapter like this? Because he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He has looked back in his life, and not just in his life, but in the life of his people, the Israelites. And he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. David has tasted the faithfulness of God. He looked back uh, even in in, uh, the life of his people, the Israelites, that God was faithful to the Israelites even when the Israelites were not faithful to him. Have you read a few of those stories? Looking in Judges and as they're walking through the desert, when they were not faithful to God, God was still faithful to his people. Even in in his life, uh, David did not live a perfect life either, believe it or not. But the Lord remained faithful to him in all things. And so he had tasted God's faithfulness in the past. We can look at his provision. God, uh, uh, David had tasted God's provision and known that it was good. There was no way out for his people, the Israelites. You got the Egyptian army coming on one side. You got the Red Sea on the other side. There's no way out. And then all of a sudden, God's provision opens up the Red Sea and they walk through. That was pretty good. Okay? You've got David who was just anointed by Samuel to be the king. But how is he going to be a king if he's just a shepherd boy? And God made a way through a battle with a great Philistine that he would take the notice or that he would be noticed by King Saul and the people of Israel and he made a way to the throne. David had tasted God's provision and known that it is good. Have you tasted his provision? Has God, have you looked, can you look back in your past and look to see where God has walked you through this path? Gotten you out of this trouble, out of this problem, and he's walked with you through. David had tasted the presence of God and known that it is good. He looked back into his people, and as the Israelites were walking through the desert, there was a cloud by day and there was a pillar of fire by night. It represented how the presence of God is always walking with his people, always going with his people. And he looked back and he knew that it was good. David, in his own life, He knew the presence of God, didn't he? I preached a sermon on this back in January just about David and and, and his presence, how he chose presence over power, and he got both. He knew the presence of the Lord because he had walked with his sheep and, and he had sung songs to the Lord. He knew about the presence of God. He had tasted it, and he knew it's good. Have you tasted the presence of the Lord? Do you know how good it is? We just spent time in in worship here together. There was a little bit of a taste of God's presence. And wasn't it good? It's good every single time that we come here together. That's why I say those who are watching online, uh, you know, online has its place. But come and experience God's presence with God's people. And you too will find that it is good. How about God's salvation? Did David taste the salvation of God? And look back in Israel's life and He saved his people from slavery in Egypt. Brought them out. He knew that salvation was good. Even in in his day, he walks up and there's 
Goliath, he, as a 17-year-old boy who's never had any military training, has no business defeating a 9-foot-tall Philistine giant. And yet he wins with a rock. A rock. A stone, depending on your scripture. But God provided salvation. He had tasted salvation. And he knew that it was good. It was good. Have you tasted salvation in your life? Has God saved you? Has God saved you? Have you tasted salvation in your own life? And is it good? Can you think back to the life that you used to live? The way that you used to be. The things that that you used to think. And now you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God has saved you. And now you're on a trajectory towards heaven. Is that good? Absolutely. Because we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. Some of you, maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you say, I haven't tasted and seen that. God has been good in my life. I look around the world today, and there's bad, and there's all these things, and I haven't seen that there is good. What are you even talking about here, Adam? Well, this, as David writes it, it's not really a command. It's more like an invitation. It's like, taste and see. The Lord is good. Like, try it out for yourself. Talk, generally talk to one of the people who are here in this room that has tasted salvation, that knows that it's real, that knows that it's good, and ask them. And aren't we supposed to, Christians? Doesn't the word say that we're supposed to be able to give an account of our faith in Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this. Why are you a Christian? I don't mean, why did you start off being a Christian? Why are you one now? Why are you a Christ follower now? I know that maybe some of you, many of you, grew up in the church. So it's like you didn't have a choice. I was eight. My mom took me, you know? You didn't have a choice. (laughs) I like to say I had a drug problem when I was growing up. I was drugged to Sunday school. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to worship service. Drug everywhere. Okay? That's where my mom and dad took me. They drugged me to church, and I am so thankful for it. So I understand that some of us started off, and well, we just started off in this. Okay, but at some point... You got to make a decision. Am I going to continue going to this church? Am I going to continue following this Lord? And you made a decision, yes, I'm going to. Why? Why did you make that decision? This is something for you to think about this week. If a non-believer were to walk up to you and say, why are you a Christ follower? What would you say? Think about that this week, because it just might happen. This world's getting crazier, and they're going to ask you why that is. Why are you a Christ? Not why did you start off. Why are you one now? Why are you one now? But you know what? We look to this thing right here, and that's why we're going through a chapter, and we're going to dig deep into a chapter Because the Word of God is what we stand on. The Word of God is where we find everything that we are. So why are we going through a whole chapter like this? Because this is what we look to. Why are we... uh, I've invited you to read the book of Acts with me over the summer. Because I want us to actually see and know what God is doing through the Acts of the Apostles. Hey, this is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. Pentecost Sunday. You know the Holy Spirit 
was working in the book of Acts. And many believe that we are a continuation of that book of Acts. What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? Doing in your world? And so I want us to be able to read and look at and see what is the Holy Spirit doing? What, what, how did he move in the apostles? How did he move uh, in the people in the first century, in the early church? And how is he moving right now? Listen, one of the great ways that Satan has come against us, or one of his greatest weapons, is the ignorance of the Word of God in a Christian's life. Church, we need to know this book because this is what we stand on. What a great place to say amen there, and y'all fell silent. What in the world? We need to know. That, are y'all awake? What, do I need to start over? Play the video again. This word of God, what are we doing if not without this? This word of God is what we stand on. And Satan is counting on us to put our eyes on entertainment and our eyes on work and our eyes on us and our eyes on what on anything other than God because he doesn't want us to taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't want us to read in the Word and find and saw what he did for the Israelites and to find out what he did in David in First Samuel, Second Samuel, and he doesn't want us to look in the Book of Acts. He doesn't want us to see the Holy Spirit moving in them and how He's going to move in us. He doesn't want it. I challenge you, get in this Word of God. Because it speaks directly against the culture of today. The gospel, the gospel to people today has to sound so strange. Like the Bible has to sound so strange to people because they're telling people today that happiness should be the point of everything and that you're perfect just the way you are. That it goes completely counter to what the Word of God says. We woke up in a sinful nature when we were born, and our default position is on a road to hell. That's our default position. And the only way to change is that Jesus Christ comes into our life and saves us. That is the only way. So no, you are not perfect just the way you are. None of us are. We're all rotten. Okay? Pick your sin and pick your whatever. I'm not talking about one sin. Pick whichever one it is. We're all rotten. Every single one of us. And this word tells us this. And there is one way out. And his name is Jesus Christ. And Satan does not want you to know that. So he will put anything else, anything else in front of our face, in front of our eyes. So that we do not taste and see that the Lord is good. Because if we taste and see that the Lord is good, then maybe all this other stuff isn't so good. Maybe all this other stuff that we are putting our focus on, maybe it's not as good. But I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. This, uh, some of your Bibles, not all the Bibles, not, not, not all translations do this. But in the top of chapter 34, before it starts, it kind of gives a little... This is why this chapter was written, or why this song was written. And not all the Psalms have it, not every chapter has it. But at the top of this Psalm chapter 34 in my Bible, it says that this is a Psalm of David regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech, who sent him away. 
Now that sounds like a fun story, doesn't it? If you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're not going to read the whole story, and it's also not going to be on the screen. So 1 Samuel chapter 21 is where we find this story. So there's a story that happens in the Bible that after this story happens, we find out that this is why David wrote this chapter 34. There's a story in the Bible that happens, and David says, I want to write a, story, write a song about it. So what's going on is David has recently defeated Goliath. They've come in, and they've taken over the Philistine land. They won the battle. They won the war. And a song began to be sung. Many of you know what the song was. A song began to be sung that King Saul did not like. The song was, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. That's right. And so you've got the people of Jerusalem that are singing this song. This song is going throughout the streets, and people are singing this song. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Well, this makes Saul pretty upset. Well, I'm the king. You should be singing praises to me. So while David comes in, and he's playing the harp for David and he, or for Saul, and, and he comes in and Saul's his mentor, there's a couple of stories actually where Saul tries to kill David because he wants him out of the way. He's tired of this song. And so David flees, and so he's on the run, and here he is, he's by himself in, in chapter 21. He's by himself, and he's got his mentor, his king, Saul, is out to kill him. So he's running away. And so he runs to kind of the outskirts of Israel. you got Jerusalem and Israel and kind of the outskirts. We're, we're nearing Philistine territory, okay? And he finds this spot. He finds a, a temple out there. He just kind of runs up on it. And they give him some bread that was supposed to be for the priest. So David asked Ahimelech, Do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. So he's, he's in such a hurry that Saul's out to kill him. He runs. He has nothing to defend himself. So he says, do you have a weapon? Verse 9, I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli. Here it is behind an ephod. David replied, give it to me. So here's David. He's on the run. Possibly he doesn't know where he's at, and he comes upon a temple. He needs a weapon, and the one weapon that this temple has just happens to be the sword of Goliath, the guy he just killed. Now, what we in this today, we would say that's a God moment, right? That's a God thing, okay? When, when we didn't orchestrate anything, provision of God, we didn't orchestrate, but well, here's what God, God, not just a sword, the sword of Goliath, the guy that I just killed? And he says, give it to me. So he takes it. All right? So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. Anybody know about Gath? That's where Goliath is from. So he went to Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Isn't this David, the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one the people honor with dances, singing, Saul has slain his thousands? And David, his ten thousands? This song has gone from Jerusalem to Israel and out to the outskirts to Philistine territory. This song has gone viral, okay? They're creating the remix right now for this, okay? This is a huge song. Everybody's singing this song. Everybody knows this song. 
Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Everybody knows it and it's gotten so big that now even the Philistines have heard this song and they don't want any part of him. They want David gone. They want him out. So David becomes afraid. He's like, I don't know if these people are going to kill me. Are they going to turn me into Saul? I don't know what they're going to do. So David escapes Saul. Okay, David heard these comments and was very afraid what King Achish of Gath might do. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. <laughs> what are you doing, David? <laughs> That's hilarious. The Bible's funny, y'all, seriously. Like, there's a couple of laugh-out-loud moments, and this is one of them. Dude starts scratching on doors and drooling down his beard, okay? And then, here, this is an actual LOL moment, okay? When I read this, I LOLed, okay? Finally, King Achish said to his men, Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. <laughs> Which makes me think of all the stories before David, like King, Crazy Carl's at it again, you know? Which Carl is it? Carl Jenkins or Carl Johnson? I don't know. One of the Carls. I, you know, it's like, we have enough crazy people here. We don't need another one. <laughs> That's just funny to me. And so he throws him out. And so David is now gone. And so God's provided a way for him to leave. That's just hilarious. So he goes through this. God saves him, allows for, allows for him to weigh out with the sword of his enemy. But there's a song that's ringing in his head, and he doesn't like the song. And so he decides, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write another song, because I don't want that song to be the song that everybody knows about me. I want it to be something else. And so he sits down and he writes Psalm 34. And he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. Your praise will always be on my lips. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who refuge in him. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And he writes a song that theologians for thousands of years has studied. Because he says, I don't want that song to be the song that everybody knows me by. Because that song's about me. I'm going to sing a song about the Lord. And David gives us the perfect answer to what do we do when we are in a valley and when we are in on top of a mountain. Have you been to those places? Has anybody ever been in the valley? Finances aren't there. Always fighting with the spouse. It's just things aren't going well at work. You're in the valley. But how many of you have also experienced time on a mountaintop? Finances are great. Loving the wife. Kids are great. Straight A's, right? Everything's going good. We've been in both of those places. David finds himself in the weird position of being in both places at once. Here he is in the valley where he's got his mentor and king out to kill him and he's running around alone, no one with him, all by himself. Have you ever been alone with your own thoughts? Sometimes that's the worst place to be. Hunted like a dog by his mentor and king 
and by himself. I would call that a valley. While at the same time, he's got the entire country song singing a song about how great he is. David, you're the man. You've slain your ten thousands. Here he is in both the valley and on top of the mountain. And David gives us, here's how you respond to being in both of those places. You turn your eyes to God. When you're in a valley, when you're in your lowest spot, you don't play the victim. You don't, woe is me. You turn your eyes to God. Because you've already tasted and seen of His faithfulness, of His presence, of His provision, of His salvation. And He's done it while you were with the lion and the bear. And He's done it while we were with Goliath. And He'll be with you now. He'll be with you now, David. When you're in a valley, you turn your eyes to the Lord. But when you're up on a mountaintop, have enough humbleness to know and understand that you didn't get there on your own. So you turn your eyes to God and you say, don't taste and see that I'm so great. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So as we go through our life, you will find yourself in a valley. You will find yourself on top of a mountain. And so what do you do in both places? You turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord. Your salvation, your, but also your faithfulness. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to invite our worship team to come up. <coughs> I want to do one more thing before we go into the next part of our service. I just want to talk briefly about one more thing. If I was to say to you, Thanksgiving dinner... Everyone got the same picture in their head. You got the turkey, dressing, stuffing, pumpkin pie. Everybody kind of eats a little bit different. But basically, you, you know what I'm saying. Because we do this every year, right? Every year we have Thanksgiving dinner. And we meet together and, we, and we're supposed to talk about what we're thankful for. And this is what we do every single year. And we have the pumpkin pie, pecan pie, whatever. And if you start thinking about that enough, that Thanksgiving meal, dinner is going to get on your tongue and you're going to, you're going to taste it. You're going to taste that turkey. Because we do it every year. We know exactly what it is. Back in, when, they, when the Israelites were in Egypt, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? Pharaoh said no. One time, two times, three times, nine times he says no. God brings ten plagues on Egypt, and they'd gone through nine. Just before the tenth one, God comes to Moses and says, here's what you're going to do. Every family is going to take a lamb. They're going to kill the lamb, and they're going to take the blood of that lamb, and they're going to put it over the doorpost of their house. Do you remember the story? You're going to put it over the doorpost of their house, and then what you're going to do is you're going to take that lamb, and you're going to take the bread, and you're going to take a cup, and you are going to prepare this lamb in a certain specific way that I'm going to show you. And everyone, every family in Israel, you're going to eat that meal together. And then you're going to go to sleep. And what's going to happen is the angel of death is going to come. And they're going to take the firstborn of every house. But what that angel of death is going to do, he's going to come by. He's going to see the blood that's over the doorframe. 
and he's going to pass over that house. He's going to pass over the house of all the Israelites, and then they're going to go into Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. They prepared their meal a certain way. The angel of death comes in, saves, salvation comes to Israel because of that Passover. And so what they did every single year, they celebrated the Passover. And so every single year, they took a lamb and they prepared it a certain way and they had the bread and they had the cup. And so when you said Passover feast to an Israelite, there was a taste that was on their mouth because they knew exactly what you were talking about. And every year, they celebrated the salvation that came to their house. They literally got to taste and see that the Lord is good. And they remembered it. They remembered that taste every single year. Fast forward a couple thousand years, several years. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. And he takes bread and he takes the cup and they have communion together. And so now as I say communion to you, there's a taste on your mouth. You know what that tastes like. Because we do it once a month. We do it all the time. And so just as the Israelites had that physical example where they got to taste and see that God's salvation is good, this morning we are going to taste and see that God's salvation is good. The remembrance of what God did for us. Are you thankful for His salvation this morning? Then I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Gentlemen, pass out the elements to us. If we can stand across the sanctuary here today, we take this this together. I've asked over the summer that we have some of our leadership, some of our board members to come and help us uh, pray for this. I want to ask Acacia Spoon and Rick Williams, if you would come forward. They're going to help us pray over it. Are you thankful for what Christ did for us on the cross? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? says as they were eating Jesus took some bread and blessed it then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying take this and eat for this is my body we take the bread and Rick would you lead us in prayer Lord Jesus we thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for us on the cross And we just pray, Father, that you would prepare our hearts to honor you as we partake of this symbol of your broken body. And that we would just take it into our hearts and remember it every day. In Jesus' name I pray.
Let's take the bread together. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them. He said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Keisha, would you lead us in prayer for the cup? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you in communion this morning. Thank you for the cup and what it represents, the sacrifice that it represents. As we know, without the shedding of your blood, then there's no remission for our sins. Please let us be grateful as we remember you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take the cup together. Hallelujah. Can you taste and see that the Lord is good? Just begin to worship Him in your own words for a moment. We're going to worship here. But for your own words, give a thank you to Him, a praise to Him. Thank you, Lord, that we can taste and see that you are good. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, begin to talk to Him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you talk to the Lord this morning? Tell Him how good He is. Tell Him how good He is. Lord, You're so good. So, so good. So good. So good. Lord, we read through Your Scriptures, Your Holy Word of how good You are. How You delivered the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob delivered Moses and the Israelites. Walked through and with David victorious in battle. Through the prophets. We see it in your word, Lord. Lord, you didn't stay up in heaven. You sent your son Jesus to this earth. Walked a life with us died on a cross for our sins you didn't stay dead you rose again oh what a good God and then you still didn't leave us alone you sent your Holy Spirit to walk with us to fill us up with your Holy Spirit hallelujah Lord thank you for your word thank you for your scriptures that we look and that we stand on and that we know That you are a good, good God. You are a good God. It's more than just looking in in our life and how good you are. From creation on, Lord, you are good. You are good. And we love you. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Send us out today, this week, walking in your goodness. Help us, Lord, to continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. That we devour your word. We devour your word. That is the most important thing to us. Your word (coughs) that tests us and challenges us. Oh, God, your word. We need your word. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Go with us this week. Help us to stand on your word, not just our opinion. God, we stand on your word. God, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning?